Well, good morning, good day, good evening. My name is Jill, and these are Jill's Journals Out Loud. And I am recording this early before sunlight uh, on, I think today is Wednesday. It is March 22nd, 2023. Uh, I have had basically no internet connection for the most part other than uh, intermittently unable to even hardly load a web page before the sun rises. So uh, I'm not sure when this will get uploaded. I will try to walk out into the field, but we are scheduled for rain today. I think tomorrow is dry, so it might be uploaded on the 23rd. All right, deep breath. If you did not listen to the podcast last uh, posting, which I think was the 18th, I just looked up, that uh, I have paused the the paid subscriber uh, format, but I will still try to post as I can. Uh, It's been a really interesting couple of days because uh, I have been paused. It's very disturbing to not be able to know what's going on out in the world as the world is having all kinds of things happen at record speed. But Here's the most interesting thing. If I could only have access to one thing in terms of the internet or communication or information, it would have nothing to do with politics. It wouldn't have anything to do with war. It wouldn't have anything to do with health. It wouldn't even have anything to do with friends or family. It would be the weather, which I think is uh, sort of been this consistent theme with my exercise into survival. Uh, I think about that a lot, that if I could only have one piece of information, it would be what is the weather going to be? Because, and this is so interesting, it is the only thing I can hold on to for hope. And I think that really speaks to this basic idea, because... Uh, we've had, which again is nothing compared to what other people are going through, but it's upsetting when it's happening to you. We've had, you know, multiple days, I don't know, three, four days. I think today's the third full day of rain and snow. I'm basically living in a puddle. The ground is so saturated. I don't know how it's ever going to dry. Uh, it's, it's, the the hope is will there ever be a day right when the sun comes back out uh and is there any future in which there'll be enough sun to dry it out uh because it's not just an emotional hope it's not just a mental sunlight to feel less gloomy and overwhelmed. Uh, But it's also very practical at a survival level, right? The wood is all wet. The propane is not an indefinite source. Uh, There's just a lot of real things. I cannot imagine what it was like to be uh, alive before we had uh, the forecast. I did, you know, I think I've shared, I bought a book that talks about how to read uh, nature signs and, and people, especially farmers, you know, and the really knew how to read the signs and the signals for uh, weather, but there's just no, you know, 100% guarantee. And even having a forecast, it does change. But I am desperate. I almost like created a terrible situation. I had the two dogs outside and I'm, you know, blinded by trying to look at the damn phone while we're out. You know, I take them out to go to the bathroom and how, uh, you know, I'm like, I can't do this because you look at the screen and then you can't see anything. And I was desperate because I haven't been able to check the weather for like 48 hours. For whatever reason, the uh, weather site won't load 
uh, on my intermittent internet. And so I just was desperate to know that someday, at some point, the sun would come back out. And the reason I bring that up is that uh, there's so much happening out and about. And uh, and I've been so confined these last three days because there's just not much I can do uh, when the weather is really bad, when there's a lot of snow and a wet. And just to make things extra special, uh, for those of you who can understand condensation, the back of my trailer is still steel ceiling without any kind of insulation. So it's literally been raining inside the back of the trailer <laughs> for the last three days. There's sort of this perfect window of... Uh, temperature when the condensation comes down, like literally you're in the jungle. Uh, Normally that only happens, you know, maybe a couple days here and there, but it's been three days straight. Everything is sopping wet back there. Uh, I try to keep things covered up, but it's just been a very overwhelming, frustrating experience with, you know, two dogs and me in the world's tiniest space surrounded by gargantuan amounts of snow and mud. Uh, And all I can think is, when is the sun going to come out? And I feel like that's just a microcosm of what's happening in the bigger picture as I did wander out into the field this morning so I could uh, get at least some little inkling of what was going on out in the world. And it's so depressing. There's so many things happening out and about in the world that, uh, you know, we're, it's, we're coming, or at least I'm coming to terms with this idea that there's no stopping, there's no going back. Uh, it's not a question of if, when things are going to, if things are going to implode, it's only a when and how fast. And, you know, that will mean different things for different people. But the reality of how, Like I'm desperate to hold on to this idea of just a little bit of sunlight to not feel so gloomy and gray. And, you know, I can make it warm in here, but at some point shortly, I'm going to run out of wood and it's sopping wet. I'm like, make sure you keep enough dry wood to dry your wet wood. I mean, there's so many things that go into this day in and day out practical aspect of survival. It becomes all-consuming and uh, and how just a little bit of sunlight is, you know, a luxury and a beacon, a little bit of light, how important that little bit of light of hope is. Uh, and I think that that's going to have to translate into what's coming forward for all of us. And because I've had so much downtime, you know, there's just not much I can do out in the back trailer that's the rain storm in the back. (laughs) It's bad enough when it's raining outside. It really sucks when it's raining inside. Uh, And, you know, the dogs trying to not, you know, make me explode with aggravation because uh, especially they ran off a couple days ago and they got lost. And uh, so now I can't let them off the leash because I can't even go try to find them because the roads are so muddy. So it's been an extremely uh, tense, frustrating Uh, nerve-wracking experience. And all I can imagine is what's happening to other people in other parts of the world that is infinitely more devastating and complex. And we forget that, right? We get lost in our own little tiny worlds and hoping on, holding on to our own tiny little bits of hope. Where is the sun? Where is the relief? Where is the end? And 
So I wanted to pivot off that because the hope is if the sun will return, I will get some relief. The hope is if the world stabilizes, I will get some relief. Uh, and one of the things I've been focused on these last couple of days because I'm so confined is uh, I ha- the only shoes I can walk around outside in are the same shoes that screw my back up. And so uh, I've been in this extra amount of pain. And so I'm like, okay, well, I'm stuck in here. I can't do the stretching exercises that I need to do to relieve the pain, which is kind of an ongoing issue. So I've been experimenting with sort of contorting in bizarre positions, trying to get my back. Uh, because the what's fascinating, and this is true for everything out in the world too, the source of the pain, the cause of the pain in my back is deep in my pelvis. It's not in my back. It's not in my foot. Most physical uh, alignment pain is really sourced out of our pelvis because we're so out of balance and misaligned. Uh, so I've been experimenting with that and have had, you know, brief moments of relief, but getting to the relief is actually more painful and it takes, you know, more than one day. And I think, you know, again, that tiny little microscopic experience translates into this bigger process we're all embarking in, in different ways, in different places, and at different times. And when the pain is great enough, whether it's the aggravation of being inside and I'll go out no matter how bad the weather is, or the pain in the body is so great, I'll try to contort myself no matter what's happening to try to relieve it. Uh, You know, we're going to have that same experience out in the world, no matter how great the pain is for the things around us, you know, just the desperation to find relief. But it occurred to me, uh, and this is where it's a wired for danger thing, is that how much are you going to endure before you're willing to seek relief? And uh, that's an important question because Uh, At the same time, you know, we're having all these very practical survival issues come up, Uh, you know, food, water, uh, heat, transportation. Uh, Again, you know, when you've like right now, I'm completely cut off from everyone and everything. Although there was some guy out walking around. He's like, oh, yeah, it's just a four mile walk. I can't even walk three feet in the mud. I'm not sure how he walked four miles in it. But he... But, you know, all these things become wildly restricted and it, it increase the more restricted you are, I think, with what you can access for types of relief, uh, entertainment, you know, whether it's alcohol, just, you know, running around, visiting, uh, getting online, getting distracted, all these things that we use to become forms of relief. Uh, you know, as the world pulls itself apart, are going to be taken away and we'll be forced to go deeper and deeper into ourself to ask the question, do we want to find the relief within or are we going to still thrash around out in the world trying to find relief from whatever kind of pain or suffering uh, is going to be happening, whether it's to us, uh, to people that we care about, to our animals, uh, to the land. Uh, he was actually trying to figure out how to fix the roads. That was his need for relief was to be able to fix the roads, which are, we won't even talk about what the roads are. <laughs> so it's, 
it's this, you know, problem solving, and we call it comfort and safety, but at an energetic level, if we're looking at our push-pull-pause uh, process, uh, relief is when you can't take the push anymore, you can't take the pull, the running away anymore, and you can't take the pause, you can't stay stuck anymore. It's the relief from whatever force we can't take, or, you know, if all three are pulling at us at the same time. And most of us will only see, especially, I don't actually, I don't know about that. I don't know about the pause, pull people. I only know about the push people. And most people who are push, who are wired for danger, who fight, push, just with everything that they have, will not ask for a way to find relief in the absence of, quote unquote, winning the fight, right? Can't win the fight with nature. So most people who are push will not ask for relief until the pain of the pushing becomes unbearable or you just give out. And, you know, the body cannot sustain endless push. The mind and the heart cannot sustain endless push. And at some point we seek relief. And because we live in a world filled with 8 million trillion distractions, that looks like all kinds of things before I think for many, it moves into the place of uh, process and just within ourselves. And, uh, and that sort of speaks to, you know, what I've talked about before is that, that I'm trying to understand all this with the uh, wild understanding that the people I am most wanting to reach are not going to be interested in what I'm talking about because it doesn't include an answer that you want to hear. It does not include a fight you're going to win. Uh, that really, at the end of the day, all of this push against fighting to win is something that at the very end we must fail in in every way, shape, and form over and over and over again until we're willing to seek the relief within, which is not the answer that we want. And so uh, I've spent, you know, the, in addition to the last few days trying to f- fix this kink in my back, which is back in full swing this morning, that, um, you know, I've been having this internal conversation about how uh, I can, you know, I can't do anything about what's happening. I can't make the rain stop. I can't make the mud dry. Uh, I can't make the dogs, you know, go into coma. Although I guess I do have antihistamines. I could Benadryl them into a sleep state. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I can't do that. I mean, just we're all on the brink here. And uh, we've got a long way in front of us. And I was so desperate this morning to just know, is there going to be some day at some point in the future where the sun will come out? maybe tomorrow, maybe Thursday on the 23rd, and then it snows again. And so how it's, uh, there's a desperation for some light, for some hope, for some way out. And, uh, and when you're in the middle of it, like I am right now, it's very difficult for me to offer anybody hope in this process of deconstruction that's happening all around us. And uh, I was listening to somebody talk about another set of cycles, how 
history repeats over and over and over again. And so there's this question, if we know this, why do we keep having these same fights? Why do we still think that there's hope that somehow these cycles themselves are going to end? Uh, And I don't think they are. You know, I think one of the conclusions I really am coming to in this process is that you have to have these cycles in order to move us all through these processes, whether you're, again, I can't really speak to people who aren't part of this Wired for Danger process. I mean, that's my journey. That's the one I understand, is that the purpose of the fight person is to fail at the very end and then figure out what's on the other side of that. But that is a long, painful, brutal process. And it feels urgent when we're in this type of cycle in which uh, hope is receding in the near future very, very quickly. Uh, I still think, you know, there will be the other side of whatever's going on right now. But, you know, who gets there and how long it takes is a whole separate issue. Uh, But we fight with this idea that somehow we can stop the tide, we can stop the cycle of eternities. And that just isn't true, which, you know, then just takes me, what's the point of fighting? And and, and a lot of this got prompted. Uh, you heard me mention a, a person, Mary McLeod Bethune, and it was a two-part podcast. And the first podcast uh, was up to about age 50, and she just accomplished so many things. I mean, she was a, a born into, I think, 1875, and her family were slaves, and and I think, you know, they were very, after, you know, they were released, it was uh, very poor. You know, they still worked the land and she was like one of eight kids, but there was something special about her. And, uh, you know, this woman who lived in another state took her money that she would make. She was a teacher. She made money, extra money uh, doing embroidery and sewing. And she took all that extra money she made and she invested it in this little girl and sent her to school. So there was all this amazing part of her life where people just came out of nowhere and supported her and kept her moving forward. And she responded with amazing amounts of push. She bucked the system left, right, and forward trying to promote her community, Uh, little boys and and then little girls and eventually little boys going to school, becoming educated, getting doctors, building a hospital, building a university. She just pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed. And so at the end of the first podcast, uh, I felt in great admiration of all of this push that she had in her. And then the second podcast was the story of the second half of her life in which she started to move away from the local ground level into the state and then federal level as she kept butting heads more and more locally, especially at the state level. She couldn't create enough change. She became involved at the federal and the political and the national and international levels. And she's just this amazing woman who just keeps pushing, 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 pushing. Somehow she gets connected and to Eleanor Roosevelt and she's like in Eleanor Roosevelt's ear and is the primary push for Eleanor Roosevelt. And so she's got access to national grants and federal grants and she's on She's the head of all these different committees that are promoting uh, the black community, the freedom community, the women's community. And she's she ends up 
being part of the uh, arm, the women, the WAC Women in Armed Services community. She's the consultant for all the black women, you know, to come into the the officer training. I mean, she's just everywhere and she's involved in all of these things and she's all push, push, push. And, you know, she started this little girl who at five years old, a little white girl uh, said, they were playing together and the little white girl said, uh, you can't, she grabbed the book from her and says, you can't read your black. And that stoked the fire for a life of push, push, fight, fight, education, upliftment, uh, you know, just against the system, against the system, against the system. And I, but then I started thinking, what would she think now as we are, having all of these revelations about how controlled and contrived these federal systems are and manipulation of all these systems, because she was one of the primary pushers to to shift the black community from Republican to Democrat, right? She was one of the leading voices to communicate that shift. And because of that, you know, that they shifted to the Democrats. The Democrats then shifted to free services and the welfare state, which really created the collapse of everything that she fought, fought, built, built, and struggled and struggled for. And I I was thinking about what would she think about the way things are now, where you had a community of people who worked so hard and sweated blood and, you know, tears to uplift themselves out of a tyrannical system only to position themselves back in it, which we all are, but I just was so struck with a specific example of, and that really got me thinking about where the slavery movement came from in the first place. And if you have not read about the history of slavery on Africa and in the Middle East, uh, you don't understand the depths within, you know, how this, I talked about the, you know, the colony is, um, is the planet. It's not just uh, white people who are colonizers. The whole planet's been a colony and we've all taken turns subjugating somebody for stupid reasons, right? And it just made me realize that there's a cycle to this. It doesn't matter how much you push to uplift those around you. The cycle always pushes you back down. And so that really prompted this question, what's the purpose of fighting for all of this? And uh, I can't answer that out loud at this point in time. I'm still kind of processing all that. But it just struck me that as this great big cycle that's happening and we're just so fueled by this need to push and fight and create justice the justice never really solves the problem. And uh, and we call, okay, so we can't have peace until we have justice. Well, we'll never have justice because the cycles themselves will never allow for it. And so, you know, all these like great big ideas are swirling around in me. And while I'm processing them out, I'm like, nobody really is going to ever care about all this stuff. And I can only speak to, you know, my specific road through it. And none of this means anything, you know, that's going to make my propane magically refill itself or the wood dry enough so that I can use it in the fire. Uh, because in addition to the terrible wet that we have, we also have extreme cold coming. 
And, you know, I'm having this stupid conversation as I'm sitting here, you know, as the temperature is dropping because I don't want to use up propane and I don't want to use up the wood. How cold can I take it before I've got to turn something back on or start the fire? All these great abstract pontifications and ideas, they still don't change the basics of survival, which is one of the reasons, you know, why I've been so focused on thinking about it these last years is because it doesn't matter what the wild abstractions of God and spirit and purpose and mission are, or fighting to save the world or railing against the system or trying to to end the endless cycles and create some kind of fantasy utopia if you're communism or golden age if you're religious. They're the same things. There's this idea that somehow we can fight our way into an existence in which we have the absence of struggle, the absence of pain, the absence of suffering, the absence of illness, the absence of disease, right? The absence of poverty, the absence of war. Somehow we can fight our way into this magical place. uh, And that just doesn't exist. History shows us that. And I don't think that we can ever end the cycles because, you know, the ultimate cycle on planet Earth is the sun cycle, which whether you believe in this or not, goes boom, right? The Nova cycle every 12,000 years, which we're on schedule for, which literally wipes everything out and we have to start over. And so it just got me thinking about the futility of trying to fight your way out of the cycle, but it's really difficult to take the fight out of basic survival. And so uh, I don't have any, you know, I have my own theories on this, which nobody is going to really want to hear because they're so, un. They're, they're just, the only thing I know about the truth is the deeper I get into it, the more depressing it is. So, but I wanted to point all this out because if you are a fight person, you are super frustrated by what's going on out in the world. And I hear people periodically in the fight world saying, what's the point? It's never going to change. What's the point? I can't get people to agree with me. What's the point? I can't get the system to change. And I totally get that because, you know, Miss Mary McLeod Bethune spent her whole life fighting for change only to push the entire group she fought so long and hard for into the cycle of oppression and repression again. And everybody just went along because they got free stuff. And, you know, you just, what is that? You, you know, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. You can't help anyone who doesn't want to help themselves. And, you know, I felt the same way. I still have this memory of just this one hallway as a social worker stomping my way down the hall, so frustrated because nobody ever really wanted to do anything to create change. They just wanted more free stuff. So what the hell are we all fighting for? Now, I think there's reasons beyond that. But again, you know, it's not something I can cover here. I just want to bring it up because at the end of the day, this is our life. This is our experience. This is happening. We can't stop what's happening at this global level. We are in a cycle of deconstruction and this is happening. It's not if, it's only when and what it's going to look like and how long it's going to take at this point. And 
as I sit here in my own little tiny cycle of weather and limitations and frustrations and, you know, being trapped in my little tiny six by six by four foot space, right? Trying to not lose my mind. At the same time, wildly grateful. You know, we have food for now we're warm. We have light because we have a generator because the solar panels would never work if we didn't have a generator. So, you know, I'm so grateful for all of these little tiny things, all these investments I've made, all this hard work I've done. I have all the tools that don't require a generator to produce heat, produce firewood. I mean, I have all these things that I've invested in the last 10 plus years to prepare myself for this moment in time that I'm now too tired to do the work to survive through. Uh, And all I have left is this processing component because I can't physically survive, you know, what's coming down the pike here for any length of time. Uh, I still, if I could only choose one thing, it would be to know that at some point there will be sunlight and that I have hope. Because that's the only thing that creates enough relief for me in this gloomy, muddy, wet, depressing, cold, uh, confining, endlessly frustrating experience is a tiny bit of sunlight as a tiny bit of hope. Uh, And I just took you on this process with me, not because I have fabulous answers, but because uh, or because anybody else sits around and thinks about this stuff, that's in my journal. Nobody cares about this stuff and there's nothing we can do about it because this is what's happening. Uh, It's only, you know, whether we choose to understand it and even that does not make it stop because there is no day, right, that you're not going to want to be warm, that you're not going to be thirsty and that you're not going to be hungry. It doesn't matter how much fight is in you or how much opinion you have or how right you think you are. Uh, we all, at the end of all of this, are going to seek relief in some way, shape or form when it becomes unbearable. And right now it's unbearable. All I want is the sun. That's the tiny piece of hope I want is the sun. And so I just wanted to pass this on to you because uh, this is real. You know, this is happening to all of us. It has wildly different details, experiences, and timelines. But what it has in common are these endless cycles of our personal life, of humanity, and of the world that we think we live in. We're never going to change that. We're never going to change that. And so how do we negotiate our way through it that is not an endless fight that feels like endless failure? At some point, the fight's going to break you. And that's really where this whole Wired for Danger stuff steps in. But until then, until we're ready to look at that, we still have to deal with the day in and the day out. And so uh, I just wanted to share that. It is now officially getting a little too nippy for me in here. So I am going to like cave and go try to start a fire. (sighs) But how grateful I am that I have the tools to cut wood, plenty of matches that are still dry, hopefully, 
uh, and the ability to start a fire to create heat until the day when the sun decides to return and create enough light and warmth that I can find my hope. So with that, deep breath, my friends, and I will see you next time.